Brothers and sisters, welcome back to the XX Mormon Podcast. We are so delighted to be gathered here today on this beautiful Sabbath morn. Uh, today we are very excited. We have a special guest from the stake. We've had we've had guests from the stake before. We've had high counselors and we've had the stake president. I mean, really high authority figures. But today we probably have the highest authority figure we've ever had. Vitis. <laughs> visit us from the stake and that is a uh, stake second count- counselor in the young women's stake presidency <laughs> that is sister uh martha Merriam. Yeah. sister martha welcome welcome to the sabbath meeting oh thank you for having me i'm very excited it's been a long wait to get on this show <laughs> yeah. not too long I I mean, you've been so busy visiting other wards and, you know, like making sure that the young women are uh, dressing properly and and whatnot, you know, stake young women presidency things. Um, But of course, I can't fail to mention that presiding up on the stand is Bishop. Um, (laughs) Bishop Jensen, uh, thank Thank you you for presiding over this ward family. Thank you. So we're super excited to have uh, another woman's voice, especially uh, as prestigious as a (laughs) second counselor in the stake young women's presidency. Um, So, uh, yeah, we're going to hear about your story kind of coming out of the church. I think you're going to have a unique perspective. Um, Quick question, though, before we get started, as a woman in the church, when you would hear like general conference, when a woman would get up to speak, did you start rolling your eyes like before they would open their mouth? Yes, because they're so shiny. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, brother. It's like, and could you stand sister missionaries? Sorry, what about sister missionaries? Like, could you stand them or did they also make you want to just puke? No, I liked Sister Bishop. Oh, you did? Bishop. I like Sister I've Missionaries observed, too, I've, okay, Bishop? I've, I've, I've just observed this kind of thing throughout my life in the church where it's like the guys will be like, oh, the you know General Relief Society president spoke, kind of boring, right? But then the women are like breathing fire, right? It's like the women in the church hate other women in the church more than the men in the church hate women, you know? Like it's like this bizarre misogyny of... Yes. Right. Like, and, and women hate sister mission, like guys laugh about sister missionaries, but then sometimes women are like, we'll have the old elders over for dinner, but no sisters. And you're kind of like, why do all the women here like hate each other? Um, yeah, I always liked the sister missionaries. They were generally okay. Um, we right. always made fun of them looking very dumpy, <laughs> like yeah. matronly and like just gross. Yeah. But and they're allowed they to wear pants so many- now. Pardon? They're yeah, allowed to wear pants now. Like they're now they're allowed like nice yeah. clothing. And so many wardrobe changes. Like mm-hmm. what's the deal? Like you can only wear like dark solid skirt suits. And yeah. then now you can wear floral and they can be these designs. Like just so many. Well, yeah. I talked to somebody who served her mission on Temple Square and the rules for sister missionaries on Temple Square, at least when she was serving, were even more strict. Yes. Like it, yeah. it, it was it, like you had no options. Like they chose they were, that's your a, wardrobe for that's it. That's a showpiece mission, right? Like mm-hmm. that's the reason why yeah. you have to send in a picture with your missionary application is yes. Make sure you're good looking mm-hmm. enough for Temple Square. Really? Right, I think, <laughs> I guess that, uh, I think Temple Square, and they are a chosen. 
Yeah. There, I have never met a funny looking sister missionary on Temple Square. <laughs> Anyways, like, so yeah. Uh, okay, you sorry. know how we in the Mormon world love to talk about what women wear and what's okay and what's not okay. Um, but we're here to talk to Sister Martha. You have so many names. I, I'm like Sister First Second Counselor. Um, but uh, yeah, we want to hear about your story. Give us like a quick background of your like experience in the church. Did you grow up in the church? Were you a convert? Like, where are you coming from? Okay. Backstory. Um, so I was born in the covenant and I always felt very special. And mm-hmm. I think I was the only one in my family born in the covenant. So my parents were converts. And um, so my mom joined when she was 14 and she kind of has a funny story. She just had a really dysfunctional family and she just loved the Mormons around her. Mm-hmm. And so she was in Calgary she and then they took her to youth activities and that sort of thing. She got baptized 14. She's like, This is great, this is what I need. Um, in my life, because my family's kind of dysfunctional. My sister's getting married at 14 to a 35-year-old. That's weird. Let's <laughs> so she loves so it. So the Mormons just seemed like uh this is the place right. I want to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 35 year olds marrying 14 year olds. Yeah, <laughs> just nothing weird. Nothing. So she just loved the Mormon church. She's just right. like, this is great. And she hated the Catholic church because she was Greek Orthodox. And mm. it was scary. It was scary. Right. So the Mormon church was a lot less. Anyway, so she loved it. Um, she kind of fell away and uh, got married to my dad, who was not a member. And um, and then a few years later, someone sent her her baptismal like certificate. And so she's like, oh, am I kicked out of the church? Like, what's going on? She's like, I must be kicked out. Oh, well. (laughs) So she carried on. And then the missionaries came to her door and she's like, I thought I was kicked out. And they're like, no, no, you're never kicked out unless you do something terrible. And um, so then, um, so my parents both became active, uh, got temple recommends. And I was, when they got sealed as a family, my older two sisters were there as well in flesh. And um, I was in my mother's womb. Was born in the covenant. Oh wow! And so I was uh, very like highly revered in my family, right? It was like kind of important to be born in the covenant, and so I always wanted my kids to be born in the covenant. Right. And I just love that. So um, I always loved the church, and I never thought it was weird. And um, I tried to do my best. Uh, my family, because they are converts, they're a little bit more relaxed. And I was like, always like a little bit like, ooh, like on Sundays, we would go to Peter's Drive-In yeah. every once in a while, right? And I was like, I, sh- oh, I feel so, sh- oh, I shouldn't be doing this. But I guess since we're spending time together as a family, it's okay. And since my parents think it's okay. And my dad like bought lotto tickets, right? But everything else, like we went to church. Um, and then I was a dancer. And so... Um, if dancing was a conflict, my mom would try to do both, like both mm-hmm. church and dance, uh, to go to dance competitions, dance performances and whatever else. Uh, so she would try to make it sure everyone was happy that the church people were happy. The dance people were happy. Uh, but it was never like, no, you can't do that because we have church. Um, and my parents didn't really have family home evenings. So <laughs> Sounds weird. So, like, me and my sister would sometimes run it because we're like, we gotta have family home evening. This is like a saving, saving ordinance. (laughs) So you Um, tried to like pull the family along a little bit. Did you feel 
like did that add to your specialness feeling of like not only am i the only one born in the covenant i'm also like nephi leading my family to the gospel and like making sure we're on track yeah so me and my older sister were like that like my older sister is like a great scriptorian and was really into the church and um and so yeah we kind of felt it our duty to kind of you know do all these check all these boxes Mm -hmm. with our family. Um, My parents never did anything weird. They're just like a little bit more normal. They just weren't so crazy about stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But they always went to church um, and they always kept their temple covenants and they're just really, really good people. And the church made them even more amazing people. Mm -hmm. And um, right. So like, I love the church in that regard because Um, My dad is just like a really kind person. And I think without the church, um, because he always talks about it, right? Because he was into drinking and partying a little bit, but uh, just it made him less selfish and Mm. he'll do anything for anyone and try to help people. So he's just a really good person because of it. And my mom, gave her a lot of structure. So I am so grateful for the church and Mm -hmm. I loved it. And I loved everything about it. And I tried really, really hard and like, East Calgary at that time was um, had like a good foundation of members. There's lots of people my age and um, I had a great group of friends at school all the time. Mm-hmm. And so, and if they weren't Mormon, they were like born again, Christian. And so we had like, we like upheld our values to the end, right? Like we were not, we were not going to drink. We were not going to do drugs. We were not right. And we were just a really healthy group. So yeah, all my childhood, it worked very, very well. And then as you got into adulthood, um, how did, how did the church continue to impact you? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I went to university and I hung out at the Institute every day. I was an Institute rat and I graduated a few times from it, I'm sure. (laughs) And, um, yeah, and I got my two degrees and what did, um, what did you take? I did drama education and education. Okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Nice. So, yeah, like at UFC at the time, you had to get a master's of teaching, which is of a master's. Right, <laughs> right. How to do your degree first and then go to teaching. So, yeah, I'm a school teacher currently. And um, I was, oh, I was kind of like a, you know, like a feminist. Like I grew up in the girl power era where girls yeah. could do anything. And that's what I hated about the church a little bit, right? Is because I'm like, no, I can like have a career and have children and take care of my family. Like, I don't need a man to take care of me. And that was always my mindset. Like, it doesn't matter. I want a man for certain reasons, like a righteous man who's like, I had a idea of what that man would be like. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be able to take care of myself. And that was always, I was very influenced by pop culture, right? The Spice Girls were my idol. Yeah. Right. And, and then, so because of that, like, because you had this girl power mentality, yeah. did that uh, cause any friction with the church at all? Or were you just kind of like, ah, they're a little bit slow or like, well, how did you manage that? <laughs> well, you know, when you have these meetings with like, you know, <laughs> with the priesthood I would always try to like lead it and be like yeah I can do that and I can make these decisions 
Mm-hmm. And they just kind of like look at me like, well, hold on now. <laughs> like we have to talk to so-and-so first. Right. But yeah, I always right. try to control just cause I'm just, I think I know better sometimes. <laughs> you probably do. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you're, you're an adult I've, human being with your own ideas and capabilities. <laughs> but so like, that kind of, did that ever like make you question the church or were you just like, okay, well that's just how it is. Like, how did you, how no, did you deal with that? I was always searching for apologetics, right? It's like, mm-hmm. no women. Right. And I kind of see like my sister-in-law and my mother-in-law and they're just kind of like, women can have the priesthood. Right. So we really like held on to this, right. Like when women need the priesthood, they will get it. Mm-hmm. Right. Like sort of that idea, like if there aren't the men around, we can still have the power. But right now it's okay because they're going to take care of it. Right. And you're special. But like, you know, all that garbage you're fed from young women's, like you're chosen, you're reserved for these latter days, you're virtuous, whatever. Like that rang true with me. And that made me feel super, super special. Yeah. Well, no, it didn't make me question, even though right now, yeah, now that I can see it, it's like a very misogynistic church, right? But right. it didn't turn me but off then. It sounds like you were into like women in the priesthood kind of stuff, which sounds like I remember when I was growing up, that was like, oh, don't don't go there. Like that's dangerous. That's risky. And so yeah. how did you f- feel like it was risky or did you just feel like, oh, they haven't received the revelation yet? Like, what's your take? Oh, no, no. Yeah, you never, you kind of skirt around it for sure mm-hmm. because it's kind of taboo. It's just like Heavenly Mother. We just don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so, no, no, it's, it's more like if women need the priesthood, they will get it eventually. But we don't need it right now, so we don't need to worry about it. Right, because okay. we have men. Yeah, so it's just kind of always like we don't entertain that idea. And I was never... I've never been on that, um, that team. Right. I I think there's people out there who are really like women for the priesthood. So I'm, I'm not like that at all or wasn't. Okay. Um, Yeah. For you, it was like, you knew it was a possibility, but you weren't like campaigning for it. Okay. Never. never. I never would. Yeah. (laughs) So did you kind of, like some of the dumbest decisions I've ever seen happen happened in like bishopric meeting. Yeah. Did so when you're sitting on like board council or a state council, were you just looking at these guys being like, I've never heard such tone deaf or dumb decisions being made. I can't recall exactly any instances like that, but I just yeah. remember it being yeah, like more gossipy and it was kind right. of to banter and they just get hung up on yeah, hung up on things for sure. Like, I think he had an episode about buying chickens, how many chickens to buy and where to buy them, you know, to hung up on these. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, we had a Mother's Day, and they were always worried, our bishop was always worried about the ward budget. Yeah. And so the Sunday school president's like, well, what if we, my wife loves to plant her own garden, so what if we give every every woman in the ward a packet of seeds instead of a, a flower? Yeah. And everybody's like, oh my gosh, this is great. This is the greatest idea. And then these seeds that we gave on the pa- the price tag was in the packaging. It was like 99 cents. 
and you couldn't take the sticker off because it was like in the packaging. So we're handing out all the women in the ward, like these 99 cent bags of seeds. <laughs> and I remember sitting in that bishopric meeting and being like, this is the dumbest idea I've ever heard. And everybody's like, oh my gosh, you just, what a revelation. This is the most amazing idea. This is going <laughs> to save the ward budget. And, and the women will feel so much more fulfilled with this bag of seeds and we're handing it out. Here's a buck. Happy, you know, Mother's Day. By the way, go home and do some gardening. Uh, really love you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. That's like that. That's almost as insulting as getting them sponges for, yeah. for yeah. Mother's Day. It's like, yeah. um, excuse me. Like, uh, no, no, thank you. Yeah. Uh, so you're dealing with all of this, but then kind of the, I mean, the biggest thing that we want to hear uh, from you is you almost becoming like once again in your family, like leading the way because your husband left the church before you did. And we were talking before about how we've had people on where it's the wife who's left first. So we really want to hear your perspective of your husband leaving and then what, what that felt like, what that did to you. Like just tell us, everything you want to. Good. I have a journal too. Cause I was like, I don't think I wrote anything in my journal. Cause it's a very dark time. Yeah. yeah. I, do, I do have a journal, which is, yeah, it's good. Um, so <clears throat> anyway, so I'll preface it with um, the year before my husband left. Uh, he asked me kind of questions like, Hey, if, if you're, if say, if I were to leave the church, which, would you divorce me? And he just kind of like popped these questions in there, which wasn't weird to me because um, we always talked about divorce, what we would divorce over. So we're like, mm -hmm. if you cheat, divorce, divorce, it's mm -hmm. over. We're done yeah. with that, right? So we always like talked about our bottom lines for divorce. And I was like, there's no point if you leave the church for, um, for us to be together because I want a happily ever after. Like I don't need dead weight around and we're getting a divorce. Right. Um, and so that's what I told him. And then he finally told me and I was completely devastated, just like counselor Davis is his name, I think. And, uh, Bishop Jensen completely devastated when he told me the church isn't true. I'm leaving it. I'm not going anymore. And I was totally shocked and my whole world crashed down around me and it was the worst moment ever. And, um, I know exactly how I felt. Uh, so my husband um, told me he knows the church isn't true. He told me on Monday, it was completely shocking. My whole world was turned upside down in one moment. Just when I thought I had sorted my whole marriage out, <laughs> I was looking forward to how good things were going to be. He leaves. And, um, and then this journal entry kind of talks about how awful it is and how I don't really want us to end our marriage. Mm -hmm. Like I don't. Oh, even though you I, had said like this, yeah. if, if you leave, we're, we're done. Yeah. Uh, but my whole self was like, I really, really, really want Jeremy to be my future forever. So maybe there's hope that he will come back to the church. So this is kind of, I went through all the five stages of grieving. This was kind of like the shock and disbelief kind of stage. Right. Mm -hmm. 
I don't want to love again. I don't want my kids to have a stepdad. I want all my fondest, fondest memories to, I don't want all my fondest memories to be regretted, despised and disposed of. Cause that's what I'd seen people who had been through a divorce. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, divorce is way worse than eternal marriage. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> at this point. So that was my thinking. And, um, so I like went to my bishop and I was like, Hey, this is what's going on. Like, what should I do? And he was like, Oh, well, people get divorced all the time. And I was like, like that, that was the Bishop's first. Yeah. You're like, my husband's leaving the church. And the Bishop's like, yeah, divorce happens. Yeah. Wow. And so I, you did like, you didn't say I'm thinking about getting divorced. You just said my husband's left the church and the Bishop automatically went to divorce. I was like, well, what should I do? I think I was kind of okay. like, well, what should I do? Like, what, what do we do? And he's like, well, some people get divorced and wow, whatever's best for you. And I wanted the bishops, because what I had seen when people had trouble in their marriage in the past is bishops intervene. They're like, mm-hmm. we're going to come to, uh, what is that called? Um, they like come and have, have an intervention. Intervention. Like we're going right. to intervent and, or like some hope, like, oh, he'll get the choice, you know, mm. in the afterlife right. to accept, you know, this whole plan again. Mm. Right. I was never given that by any, anyone. Wow. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is really weird. So I was like, you guys are useless. You're not helping me get through this tragedy in my life. Mm-hmm. And I was very, um, yeah, just completely destroyed, destroyed. And um, I, in my journal entry, I was even said, like, it's so hard to explain how much I hated him and hated life. Mm-hmm. like saying that and believing that interrupted my whole existence. It made me want to end my life. And there was no point in living. I cried all night. And wow. the weird part of that is that my husband was the only one who could bring me comfort. No one else could bring me comfort in that moment. He was the only one who understood what I was uh, going through. And uh, yeah. so what, like, what did he do or how did he react that made you feel comforted because it, in one way it feels like this huge betrayal, but then at the other, on the other hand, you're saying he's, you're trying to reach out to other people and the person who you feel like has betrayed you is the only person who can actually make you feel better. Isn't so what's he, horrible? Well, yeah. like, what's he, what's he doing? Right. Like, it sounds like he was doing something right as the, the spouse who's leaving the church. It sounds yeah. like he's doing something right to make you feel comforted or, or hopeful that, the world doesn't have to end just because he wants to do something different on Sunday afternoons. Yeah. Like, so he cried with me. Right. And he's like, he cried with me and like hugged me and whatever else. And also he did, he is very gracious. He's like, you can do whatever you want. I want you to do whatever you want, of course. And it's just like, yeah, the people have heard on this podcast, how their spouses are like, just do whatever you want, I'll support you going to church. And I really don't want to, but I will. And anything to kind of make you feel more comfortable. I kind of hope, you know, he would drop, like, I'd hope you leave the church. And I hoped, I had hoped that we would do this together. And Mm -hmm. I was like, no, I'm not leaving the church. Mm -hmm. That's what I know. That's my whole identity. I'm not doing that. Wow. And the way 
uh, you worded it in your journal at least, is that he said that he knows that the church is not true, which is like such a reversal from what we're always taught to say growing up in the church, where we're taught to present it as I know the church is true. And so for him to say like, I know it's not true, like not even it's not right for me. I don't believe it, but like I, I know that it's not true. And so did he like tell you anything about the journey he went on or was he just like, I'm not doing this anymore. I've realized this isn't true. Like what was that like? Yeah. He wanted to tell me, he kind of told me, but I didn't want to hear it. I didn't want to hear it. Right. So he's like, I had this moment, which changed my whole life because he was trying to really earnestly get some sort of witness, whether it be from Jesus or something that Book of Mormon true, Joseph Smith was true. He had had a testimony up until then, but he's like, there must be more. Why can't I have my calling and election made sure? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why can't I have that? And so he was so earnest in his desire for the truth. And then he wrote like a book about uh, thinking fast and something slow. I don't don't know if you guys are familiar with the book. Mm, Thinking fast and thinking slow. I think it's it's quite a famous book. Um, And and then so his logic took over. He left his cognitive dissidence and logic came over and he was like, this is so much better. My life is so much better. Like I can be happy now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He had that beautiful moment for himself. And I never had that. I never had that moment. Um, okay. My journey was much different. He was like, it's not true. I'm done with it. This is so much better. So, um, and then he's like, I can show you stuff. Like I can show you these things that I found out about the church. Like I can show you this evidence. And I was like, I'm not having anything to do with anti-Mormon literature. Yeah. It's the devil. Yeah. It's the devil's work. I'm not going there. Like were those the words you, you used when you responded to him? <laughs> Something to, so, to that. Yeah. And what, like, what was his reaction? He was like, oh, okay. And he's like, are you sure you don't want, like, he just thought it would help me like be a little bit more at peace, but I was so stubborn and I hated him so much. And I hated the situation. I wanted nothing to do with that. I wanted to like cling to the church. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like he did a lot of things right. I think it sounds like he really understood the emotional impact of what he was going to say. Yeah. It took him. He put it off like me, like three to four months. Right. Wow. So he, because I think like that's a, something that comes up on the ex-Mormon subreddit a lot is like, how do I talk to my friends? How do I tell my wife? How do I do this? And it sounds like from like what your husband, way your husband approached it, my wife was pretty similar. Um, I'm not doing church anymore. If you want to look at the stuff I've been reading, I'm happy to share it with you, but I'm not going to push it on you. If this is critical to our marriage, then I'll tag along. I'm here to support you. I want to make you happy. I love you more than anything. And that seems to be the thing that keeps it all together, right? Is that kind of uh, non-confrontational? I love you more than the church. So if I need to keep doing church things to keep this together, I'm willing to do that. I want to meet you halfway. This kind of openness and vulnerability seems like the, the way that kind of works. Kind of, but people need to know it's not going to. It's not always going to work. 
it's going to be awful. Yeah. That's the best you could probably do. That, yeah. Yeah. But it's going to be devastating and awful. It's like, I feel like a, okay, a Holocaust victim, right? Like my whole identity was stripped of me. It was right. awful. Like it's like, who, who am I now? Yeah. And so you're, you're still going to church to get some perspective. How long was it between your husband leaving and you saying, okay, yeah, this isn't true. And then you also leaving. Uh, three years. Three years. Yeah. And so, wow, in that three years, you were like pulling the weight. Yeah, I tried to make it easy on myself. I was definitely like one of those bitter people at church that didn't want, I didn't want people to talk to me. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. standoffish I remember fighting with like because I was the like primary chorister and I remember like fighting with the like primary president and the counselors or whatever and it's like this is the way I've been doing it all the time and it's been great just ask the last primary president they're like well no sometimes people can like the president can receive revelation on your behalf and tell you how to do it mm. and I was like oh I like stormed out <laughs> <laughs> so you're like just it's it sounds like it just um impacted your whole church life i mean obviously like your whole life but then at church specifically it sounds like that's where a lot of the frustration kind of came out and so did you see yourself again as like the hero trying to keep it together and then i i guess walk us down until right. the you know, you starting to unravel your own testimony. Good. Yeah. So I feel very much like I was more of a victim than a hero, right? Like mm -hmm. my strength was gone. Um, maybe some stubbornness kicked in and I was like, I'll go to church and whoever wants to go to church. So I have three kids. Mm -hmm. Whoever wants to go to church with me, they can go. And um, so, right. Like my oldest went for about a year after my youngest went the whole time. Uh, the middle child was like, I don't have to go to church. Uh, great. And she was cool. kind of like 10 ish. Right. And so yeah. she was like, I'm never into it. It's fine. <laughs> right. So she was like that. My oldest had just, um, was like 11 and, uh, he had just got a testimony cause like kind of in the years, well, he kind of went through roller coasters. So, um, meaning like with his testimony, he's like, this church is stupid. It doesn't make any sense. And we're like, no, no, it does. And he's like, okay, yeah, it's pretty good. And he got like baptized or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then afterwards he's like, oh, it's stupid. And then he got like a strong testimony and he's like, yes, the church is true. And like, he had some great uh, leaders that were like primary teachers that worked with him and just loved him and he looked up to them. And so at this point, his like testimony was like really strong and he got the priesthood. And um, anyways, we're okay. My journey, hold up. So yeah, I feel like I was more of a victim than a hero. Like, I'm going to get through this. I'm just like, why isn't anyone getting my husband back to church? Like, yeah. like why, why isn't there any intervention? There was like one time the bishop came over and they're like, we love you and we want you to come back. Mm -hmm. He's like, well, I love friends, but I'm not coming back to church. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and uh, so we just, yeah, so I kind of played victim, uh, but I put on a good face, right? My parents were in the same ward, <clears throat> and um, I just really tried to love it. 
but what, okay. So my unraveling was, um, uh, like, I don't care. I don't care about anything anymore. So I kind of like, at first I was like, I'm going to cling hard to the church. And then I was like, this is a horrible situation. I am just like, I hate it so much that I don't care about anything. So I started doing things that were kind of like against church standards. And I was like, I don't feel guilty for that. That is so weird. And so that's where my change kind of happened is I started doing things that weren't, you know, of church standards. And I felt zero guilt. Zero guilt. Like you watched an episode of Friends? or (laughs) (laughs) Friends was the devil when I was a kid. Yeah. yeah. It's all about sex. Like, I didn't know that as a teenager. Right. Like, I didn't get it because I didn't know anything about sex. Yeah, yeah. So it's fine. <laughs> Same thing. Yeah. Our, like Sunday school teachers are like, you cannot watch friends. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like, I don't, yeah. So like breaking bad or something. Right. Like zero guilt. Right. I'm just going to do whatever I want. Um, Like not go do my ministering or visiting teaching or whatever. Yeah. No. Uh, drinking. I got into drinking like, Cause I had, I had moved schools and so I had like a whole new set of friends who didn't right. know I was like religious. Um, and so then I kind of became like a social drinker and I didn't feel any guilt. Right. So I'd like be up, you know, get drunk the night before the primary like presentation. <laughs> uh, really? <laughs> oh, sh- don't tell him what. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, did <laughs> Like I th- like if, and he if, dazzled them all. Like they were just, yeah. and I'm like, oh, this is me. Like just conveying passion. Like I can just get the emotion across, and they all feel the spirit. Mm-hmm. Oh my yeah. goodness! And it was such a powerful, like primary presentation. Yeah. Families can be together forever. And oh my goodness, were there praises? So you kind and of you're put like the word over? to the test. Pardon? You kind of put the word to the test. Like you yes. actually, because I think that's something a lot of people don't realize. People say, pay your tithing and you'll see the blessings. And uh, when I was on my way out, I kind of did similarly to you. I yeah. was like, well, what if I stop praying? Is mm-hmm. that going to change anything? And nothing changed. I didn't see any change in my blessings in my life. And so it's kind of this like, testing the word and you went out drinking and <laughs> did the primary presentation the next day and everybody loved it. The, Everyone loved it. Like you weren't cursed with failure. No. And, and so these sort of things, you're kind of like, huh, weird. Like my life is still okay. And like pretty good. I'm still seeing like these blessings. And so keep us going. Like at what point did it break? Yeah. So it was the exact same. You're right. And I kind of say, like, I went out of the ch- church, like the way I built a testimony, I built a testimony by trying it out. It's like, yeah. try being nice to people, try doing, you know, paying your time and try doing all that. And that worked really well for me. You know, sometimes I'd get the results I want. Sometimes I wouldn't. God works in mysterious ways, but it was the exact same way that I got out of the church. So then, um, I didn't look at any anti-Mormon literature. I never went down that path. 
So it was all like, I'll do what I feel. Mm-hmm. And I was really quite tormented. And so kind of, you know, kind of living a little bit of a double standard of life, right? Like I'd have um, my church thing and act certainly around church people and my family. And um, and then probably COVID is, right, because we were able to stay home, made it a lot easier. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know what point it was, but I think just after living that way over and over again. Oh, and my sister, that's what it was. My sister called me up, my oldest sister. And she's like, are you going through a faith transition? And I was like, what the hell is a faith transition? <laughs> and she's like, oh, I've been noticing Cause she had like a total chaotic life at that point. Yeah. And she's like, oh my goodness, I should have seen this. And she's like, I'm having like a faith transition right now and she like told me about it so she was leaving the church i had no idea mm-hmm. and then she had kind of noticed that i was probably leaving the church just because of kind of my distance or whatever mm-hmm. and um and so she <laughs> talked to me about it and we're like what what the heck like let's leave together let's tell our parents together anyways i couldn't i couldn't tell my parents she ended up telling my parents a lot more before her before i did she ended up like moving in with a man they were not married <sighs> and um because she had had two divorces up to this point and right and, like, her whole crisis was because of the church and trying to stay with those husbands right they're yeah. just awful people and they were like no 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 like the atonement will help you yeah right I didn't know the atonement would help me and my well, situation they're just like yeah go get divorced <laughs> yeah, right but so so it, it yeah it's my husband beats me i'm not and i'm not saying this is yeah. your, your sister's yeah. case but it's like my husband beats me it's like oh forgiveness repentance atonement and then it's like my husband doesn't believe and they're like oh you should leave him yeah, yeah. And it, it's like it's like you're saying the wrong thing yeah, yeah. <laughs> like misapplication of uh what what should be going on isn't that crazy yeah just yeah. taking those two things as like a case study um yeah. So, uh, anyway, so she was leaving. And so I was like, okay, I got, I got to make a decision here. I got to, I got to leave. And, um, and then I think just through my own experience that nothing terrible was happening, um, that I was okay to leave the church, but it was going to be hard. Um, so I told my parents, those are the only people I told. And my dad, my mom was like, kind of like upset. I had kind of warned her. We had went out for lunch and I was like, look, I don't know where I stand on the church. I have no idea, but it's really kind of hard for me to be in it all the way. Like, I just Mm -hmm. don't know. I just don't know if it's all the way true. And uh, so she kind of knew I was there. And then my dad, he's like, why are you leaving the church? And we got kind of like in an argument and he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. He's like, we're just going to argue. Right. Cause he's like, why do you think the church isn't true? Mm-hmm. And he's like, we're just going to argue forever. So there's no point. That's that. So I didn't have to have any more discussions with them. And they're really the kind of people who just kind of sweep things under the rug and move on. Right. Right? Like, it's over. It's done. Whereas my husband's side of the family, they're just a lot more intense into the church, right? They're levits. So there is a lot more of a heritage to that. Mm-hmm. And, um, And that was really difficult. They got like, my husband got lots of emails, but my side of the family was more accepting because they're used to non-members. It's not right. And then my sister (laughs) left as well, but she kind of, she kind of went like the born again Christian way. She's just like, I love the Bible and I want to, you know. Yeah. Dang. So 
we we only have a few minutes left. Yeah. Um, but I, I I think it could be good to do a part two where we talk about mm-hmm. like your life since and what your experience has been like since. But as we wrap it up here, I want to hear um, what like when you finally leave your husband left years before and so how do you how do you tell him that how do your how do you say like oh i'm also done like i'm i'm done with it well he is kind of like an insider right he saw mm-hmm. that i had, you know i finally threw out the garments you know we would go out drinking together we would um uh purchase uh, like have pot or whatever. I hate that stuff. But anyways, we would do that. Uh, so he knew I was kind of out. He was just like, when are you just going to be done with this? Right. Because right. during COVID, I was like making videos for primary and, um, <laughs> and, and I love it. Spoken up. Yeah, <laughs> but, and you're like primary president of the year. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I just love, I love being a primary forester. That's my number yeah. one calling. I love it so much. I can't let go of the music of the church, mm-hmm. but for some reason it's very odd. Um, so he was, he was fine. He was just like, finally. Um, but like, so that was summer of 2020. Mm-hmm. And um, I was still like having lots of regrets. I was like, if we hadn't left the church, maybe this wouldn't have happened. Maybe if we left the church, maybe that wouldn't have happened. And it was all kind of having to do with, there's lots of crisis around my children and them kind of growing up and um, having lots of issues. Um, and so, you know, maybe, maybe that wouldn't have happened because we would have been in the church. Maybe it would have been easier because the church gives you so many rules and guidelines. When you're yeah. out there, there's nothing for you. Yeah. There's nothing to parent. You're like, I have no idea how to, how to do this. It's just the wild west. And um so I had lots of regrets. And then I listened to your podcast. <laughs> and uh, so it was so weird. I started listening to a bunch of episodes. And finally, just, you know, over the past couple, like past month, I was like, oh, I don't care how my kids turned out. I'm so glad they're not part of the church. And I mm. just finally right. had that. Just, you know, finally. So it took five years. Wow. What What is it that makes you glad? Just like uh, worthiness interviews or... Or, no, because uh, um, it, it's, it's all made up and fake. It's just Santa Claus. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so You'd rather them just know the truth that it's not true than to have them kind of believe this fiction, even for the little benefits it may be perceived to have. Yeah. Like, I wish it was true, but it's just so crazy. that yeah. it's like, Okay. That's, that's better. <laughs> yeah. So even, I don't care how they turned out. <laughs> right. As long as they're not. So even they're working through issues. Yeah. Um, but they're dealing with reality in a real way. And it might not be a fairy tale, but the fairy tale is a lie anyway, kind of. Yeah. I wish yeah. I could have. Um, I would like if I ever guess, I wish I could have hurried up my journey forward so right. I could be a present mom and be better. I think kind of like my distancing and like being a, like a victim. Like this mm-hmm. is a horrible situation. Like mm-hmm. I was very much not depressed because I was super high functioning, but just very like upset and distanced from everyone because it was like, poor me, my whole life is ruined. And that went on for three years. 
and yeah. right. So yeah. that's kind of what I regret is that I could have got through it a little bit faster, but it did take, it took five years and I finally feel like I'm done. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That was awesome. I, I really appreciate hearing your perspective um, on, on your husband leaving first and then you're very slow leaving the church. Cause I, I think that's pretty unique um, to start doing all of these things and then almost build like your anti-testimony while you're still yeah. like you're putting it to the test like that. Um, but yeah, I really appreciate hearing that our call is going to end shortly and we have another recording in a second, but yeah. I, I think we should do like a part two where we hear more about like, where you're at now and what other sort of healing you've had since and, and how you're growing as a, a, as a person, if you're up for that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, no guarantees of how much I've grown, but you know, I'm still here. <laughs> well, we can yeah. find out. Yeah. Sounds good. Oh my goodness. So good to meet with you guys. Yeah. And, you as well. Um, yeah. yeah. I'm totally fan- fanboying. The, <laughs> it is, it's, it's like a weird, <laughs> a, a weird thing uh, Bishop and I have talked about uh, how how strange it is to have people listening to yeah. us and, like yeah to, I wouldn't have found people. you if it wasn't for brother Jacob he's a, a relative brother like a Jacob distance. now I'm trying to remember which one brother Jacob is. A lot of students. Services. Oh, okay yeah 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 okay I love brother Jacob uh so he's a re- he's a relative of yours yeah like his wife and my my oh. husband cousins okay. Oh, okay so like a distant distant mormon southern alberta yeah kind of relative yeah, i wouldn't have found it unless he posted it on his instagram because he he is done, doing a lot of unpacking real fast yeah yeah like, whoa <laughs> we we've got to have him back too uh again he was great um but yeah this call is gonna end in like two minutes so okay. i'm gonna wrap up the podcast And uh, just say once again, really appreciate this and close in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Amen.